Welcome to Miami Valley Church. If this is your first time joining, I hope that you are surrounded by people in a house church. I want to say welcome to you. If you are not, if you find yourself alone just watching this all by yourself today, would you reach out to us at start at miamivalley.org. We want to get you into community. We want you around others, engaging in God's word together, praising uh, our Lord together, and just being in relationships. So would you reach out to us, start at miamivalley.org. Uh, and if you are joining us in a house church today, uh, what an amazing time to just get to uh, celebrate and praise the Lord and engage in his truth together. We have been going through it all. We've been engaging in God's word uh, together and we find ourselves in the wilderness section of scripture. Last week, we looked at the first two passages in Exodus 20 when God speaks to all the people and he tells them exactly who he is. Remember, it's wedding language, it's covenant agreement. Remember, he tells them, I am the Lord your God. It's personal. Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. This is where you were. This is what you were doing. Remember, you were a slave. You were in bondage. You were um, under the yoke of oppression and I saw you, I heard your cry, I was concerned, I rescued you. This is who I am and I hope that you had a great discussion in your home as you shared what God has been showing you out of his word. We have been encouraging you to get into God's word uh, starting at the end of last year, uh, going through uh, Easter this year. Remember, we, we encourage you to intake all of God's word, to meditate on it, to read his word daily and then to share it, be in and intentional about sharing it uh, with the people that God has put around us. And maybe you find yourself today and you are just saying life is too busy. This, this thing has come up. This thing has come up. I was going to start uh, next week and then boom, this situation happened. Keep going. Or maybe you you started off great. You were in his word every single day. You Maybe you had uh, listened halfway through the Bible and for whatever reason, you just stopped. Would you pick back up? Friends, it is so important that we hear his voice. If we call him Lord, then we better do what he tells us. And if uh, he tells us to do something, uh, it's kind of hard to to know who is speaking to us if we don't know his voice, and if we don't know, uh, if we don't spend intentional time with him, it's going to be really hard to know his voice. And so, it is so important, it is so crucial that we listen, even in uh, our time of prayer. How much listening are you doing? Are you going into prayer, uh, just speaking to him and just sharing everything, or are you being intentional about listening to what he wants to do? and how he is inviting you into that. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we're gonna pick back up uh, in Exodus 20. So that's where you can turn this morning, Exodus 20, and we're gonna be looking at uh, what is going on here. So here we are, uh, God, at Mount Sinai. Here's all the people there at the bottom. Remember last week we looked at how God is the one who always moves first. God is the one who initiates. He moved uh, towards them and he spoke to them. He reminds them uh, where they were. They were in slavery in Egypt. Remember he reminds them that he saw their oppression. He heard their cry. He was concerned. He was aware of their suffering and he came down and personally rescued them and led them out of Egypt. And the question for you right now, the listener, uh, who is hearing this right now is, do you remember what God has done for you? Remember, it's personal. He says, I am the Lord, your God. And do you remember where you were? Do you remember 
who has saved you uh, and he, that's what he tells them right up front this is who I am and this is what I've done for you and why is this so important think about the people he is talking to the people uh, who who God is speaking to they have been in bondage they have been in slavery for 430 years in Egypt and so I I want you to just think about this the gods and goddesses the deities in ancient Egypt uh, they were such an integral part of the Egyptians everyday lives from their calendar to all the things that the people saw and all the uh, even the land itself and just everything uh, had its own God there were thousands of these deities there were gods uh, of magic of medicine of gods of music of dancing of war sun moon underworld afterlife air healing wisdom fertility gods of sexuality creation death terror earth secrets gods of, of silence infinity uh, gods of, of joy of love and if that wasn't confusing enough depending on where you were uh, in the region there could be different gods just for that specific region and so maybe you're in uh, the southern uh, region uh, portion you would serve a different god than if you were in the northern region portion and so uh, just think about with me i want you to just uh, try to get there with me on just how many of these gods were worshipped during this time and so for 400 and 30 years this is what these people were experiencing and so here's a picture I want to show you today here is a piece that would have been worshiped it's a statue it's a cult statue created note that it was created not the Creator himself but created uh, to house the spirit of their God Ta According to their belief, Ta helped to bring the world into being. Before the world began, it was a big, dark void full of water. Does that sound familiar at all? As we've been going through the series through it all, and we looked at uh, in the very beginning when the earth was formless and void, and it was chaotic, and there was only one who brought chaos back into order. Does it sound familiar to you at all? The material that was used on this statue is uh, piece Azuli, which is just a beautiful, uh, vibrant blue loose stone it would have been very rare in ancient Egypt and it was highly prized the artist who created this chose the stone for the uh, to resemble the dark waters at the beginning of the world's creation the details tells us uh, the roles that the God would have played this very specific piece uh, if you'll notice has these very tiny uh, bits of pyrite which which we call fool's gold uh, buried right in the bright blue lapis that represents the stars and so as you look at this statue uh, you are immediately drawn into wow that's the the god who created the the heavens and the stars and the one who uh, uh, started in all of creation uh, the creator of the statue would have done this because ta would have been considered a lord of the sky he would have been considered uh, the Lord of Upper and Lower Egypt because he is wearing a garment as you'll see that belongs to a king he wears the same beard as the king it resembles the king and he holds the scepter that gives him dominion and stability over the land uh, if you look at this statue with me the base of Ta uh, the thing that he is standing on is actually a hieroglyph and the word that's represented here it means truth and so uh, here is this God that they are worshiping and he's not just standing on anything he is literally standing on the word truth 
And that's just another one of Ta's titles. He would have been considered the Lord of Truth. Uh, ancient Egypt deities, uh, they would have uh, been treated just like people. They would need uh, to live in a house. They would have to be housed. They would need uh, to be fed, to be clothed, uh, to be made happy. And then in return, these gods, they would bring their powers to keep the world working the way that everyone needed. Wow, does that sound backwards at, at all to you? Uh, this idol they would have worshipped is only about two inches tall. And so just wrap your mind around that just for a second. But do you see why it was so important for the Lord to say right up front, this is who I am. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of this. I've brought you out of this, this culture, this, this way of thinking all these years, 430 years. This is all you've ever known. You are now living as freed people and as freed people, this is who I am. You have to know who I am. I am the Lord, your God. I've brought you out of slavery, out of Egypt. This is what he's telling him. And it is so important that they get that right up front. And if they are going to live out uh, how to be his people, he wants them to know this is who I am. You need to fear me, the one true God. For these people, think about everything they have seen as far as idolatry worship for so long, 430 years. How many generations were raised just thinking this is this is the way this is uh, maybe they didn't even follow it but every day they would see these idols and think um just about this idolatry worship and here's where we are going to be jumping back in exodus 20 so if you have your bibles with you mobile devices let's look at exodus uh, chapter 20 verses 3 through 6 today the lord says you shall have no other gods before me. Remember right up front, he said, this is who I am. And now here's what I'm telling you. You should have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God. He's telling them right up front. He's revealing himself. He says, I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. He says, I am a jealous God, but I am faithful. And I want you to worship me and to worship me alone. You should have no other gods. Nothing else should take my place. The Lord is unchanging about no idols taking his place. Look at what Isaiah 44 says. This is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord of heaven's armies, the one true God. I am the first and the last. There is no other God who is like me. Let him step forward and prove to you his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times when I established a people and explained its future. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purpose for my purposes for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No, there is no other rock, not one. How foolish are those who manufacture idols? They prize objects are really the prize objects are really worthless the people who worship idols don't know this so they are all put to shame 
Who but a fool would make his own God, an idol that cannot help him one bit? All who worship idols will be disgraced, along with those craftsmen, mere humans, who claim they can make a God. They may all stand together, but they will stand in terror and shame. The blacksmith at his forge to make a sharp tool, pounding and shaping it with all of his might. His work makes him hungry and weak. It makes him thirsty and faint. Then the woodcarver measures a block of wood, draws out a pattern on it. He works with chisel and plane and carves it into a human figure. He gives it human beauty and puts in a little and puts it in a little shrine. He cuts down cedars. He selects the cypress and the oak. He plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire. With it, he warms himself. He bakes bread. Then, yes, it's true. He takes the rest of it and makes himself a god to worship. He makes an idol to bow down in front of. He burns up the rest of the tree to roast his meat and to keep himself warm. He says, ah, that fire feels good. And then he takes what is left and makes a God, a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says. You are my God. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed and they cannot see. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect. Why? It's just a block of wood. I have burned half of it for heat. I use it to bake the bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a God? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. He cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? Look at what the Lord says. Talk about misrepresenting God. No idol can portray God in the way that he has revealed himself to us. To think that you could somehow put God into something that, that can create is an absolute that you can create is an absolute sin. Only Jesus is the exact representation of God's being according to Hebrews 1. Look at what that says. He is the radiance of God, of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. In the Exodus passage, God is saying to the people, I will not tolerate any other gods before me. Anything you put before me, that is an idol. Do not attempt to limit me create or duplicate or shrink me down to this bite-sized version that you can uh, get out or, or put away at your convenience. Don't even think for a minute that I am I am this thing that you can just manage and say, uh, now, I, now I need you, so I'm going to uh, pull you out. And, and when I'm done with you, I'm going to put you back, right? What you could do with a little two-inch uh, idol that, that you could worship. He says, you cannot shrink me down. You cannot uh, create this version of me that I am. I am not. The Lord demands exclusive covenant loyalty. He says, I am faithful. Remember what he says to them. I am faithful. This isn't an open relationship where you can come and go as you please, allowing others to take my place. Isaiah 42, he says this, I am the Lord. That is my name. I am the Lord. That is my name. Master. 
I am owner. That is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. He says, I am jealous. I am a jealous God. In this passage of Exodus 20, uh, verse 5, we get three names of God, and we get to see that's one of his names. He says, I am a jealous God. Look at verse 3. He says, never have any other God. Never make your own carved idols or statues that represent any creature in the sky, on earth, or in the water. And then verse 5, never worship them or serve them because I, Yahweh, your Elohim, am El Kanah. These are not three different gods as we see in ancient Egypt where they have thousands of gods and, and so many uh, different gods for so many different things. That's not what is happening here. We get three names and it is of the one true God. It is three uh, names that describe himself, the one true God. Uh, this name that is given uh, Yahweh that we see uh, right up front. Uh, it is self-existent. It is eternal. Uh, Yahweh is relational. He is present. He is with us. He is absolute. He is never changing. He is the covenant keeper. And then we see the name Elohim. He says, I, Yahweh, your Elohim. Uh, Elohim means uh, the one true God. It is uh, the very first name that we are given right off the bat in Genesis. It's creator. It's uh, none existed before before me. It is nothing could or or had to start him. He is the one who began it all. It, uh, Elohim means all authority, all power, all sovereignty belongs to him. And then finally, uh, we get to see Elkanah. He says, I, Yahweh, your Elohim, am Elkanah, which means uh, I am a consuming fire. I am a jealous God. And it's a jealousy that God has for his people. God is jealous for you and for me. We are greatly loved and treasured. God is jealous for you. Let me say that again uh, to you who are listening today. God is jealous for you. He wants every inch of your heart connected to his. God is jealous for you and he wants every piece of you. He is a jealous God because I, the Lord, your God, he is personal, he's relational. He says, I am a jealous God and anything that takes my place, get rid of it. And so that's the question that we need to ask ourselves. When is the last time you thought about God wanting every inch of you? every inch of your heart. He wants all of it. He doesn't want just a piece, as Pastor talked about a couple weeks ago when he showed us the illustration of the pie pan. Remember, he doesn't want just a slice. He wants to be the whole pan that holds everything together. God wants all of us. And he says, I am a jealous God. Look at what Isaiah 44 uh, says. He says, I am the first and the last. There is no other God. And when we read that in our culture today, we, we just don't fully grasp that. Uh, we don't live in a culture like ancient Egypt uh, that, that God's people were, were so used to after being there for 430 years. And so we, we uh, think about idolatry. When we think about idol worship, we, we tend to think of that as a, a sin of the past, right? We don't walk around and see golden calves here and there. We don't see uh, these little idols everywhere that people are bowing down and worshiping to. Uh, that's just not part of our, our culture today. But uh, does that mean that idols are, uh, are just limited to that? Or does it mean that idols are just uh, you know, a, a golden statue or a little a statue, that, a wooden statue that someone has created. No, family, an idol is 
anything that takes the place of God in our lives. Let me say that again. An idol is anything that takes the place of God in our lives. And that's what an idol does. It says, God later, me first. It fights for our attention and says, give me your time. Give me uh, everything right now. I, I want. It says, I want all of you. And it distracts us and it takes God's place in our lives when we prioritize anything before God, saying uh, a person, a place, or a thing is more important than God, we have fallen into the sin of idolatry. And family, it's a dangerous road. Look at uh, money. This is a huge idol in our culture. How many people pursue money all their life, devoting everything they have to this, this thought, this idea that, that this amount of money is going to bring me joy, it's going to bring me happiness, it's going to bring me this, this sense of success. And what about even how we hang on to that money when we receive that money, how, how uh, tight-fisted we become and we, we just we see that money as a sense of security and, and, and hope in bad times, right? Well, the world is in chaos right now. The uh, countries are, are, are raging war against each other, but at least I have this. At least I can hold on to this nest egg that, that I have been um, uh, investing in, right? And it's, it's going to bring me this sense of security. Family, that is an idol. Anything that we put our, our hope, anything that we put our uh, security into other than God, anything that takes his place, family, that is an idol. That money has become an idol. Money itself is not wrong. Hear me. Money itself is not wrong. It's a tool. But when we put the tool in the place of the Creator and worship that tool, we fall into the sin of idolatry. And then quickly, right behind money is sex. What consumes your thoughts? You don't have to look very far in our culture today to see that, that sex is everywhere. It is literally everywhere. We have taken a beautiful gift from God, the giver of every good and perfect gift, and we have twisted it. We have manipulated it. We have misused it, and we have exploited it into this thing, to this idol that, that is just worship. It is everywhere, and it is worship. There are so many idols that we face today in our culture that might not look like a golden calf that might not look like a little uh, two-inch um, stone that, that we bow down in front of, but look how many idols we have in our culture today. Jobs, possessions, material things, entertainment, kids, sports, our kids' sports, our phones, uh, and here's a really hard one, church. We've seen over the last couple years just how unprepared followers of Jesus really are when uh, masks are worn or when doors are shut or when things just look one degree off of how they've looked for the past 30 years. Family, people walk away from their relationship with Jesus. If I can't get back into a building, into that building, at 9 a.m. on a Sunday, I'm going somewhere else, or even worse, I'm going to do this thing on my own. I don't need anyone else. If I can't have the music that I like and what makes me feel good, what pumps me up, what brings me joy, I will go to another church to find the right playlist. I don't like this new pastor. He isn't as funny as the last pastor and doesn't give me what I need. 
this church doesn't have the best sound or or lighting or visual graphics or the holy spirit can't move without that uh, smoke or fog machine family i laugh when i even say this but it's so sad because these are actual things that we have heard and and what we are seeing in our world today this is how our culture uh, sees it and when we compare our church to other churches and wonder how to make ours more attractive or better than the church down the street instead of worshiping God and getting to the cross as quickly as possible, we have made a mistake. We have made a mistake. We have a problem. When our thoughts on church start with how beautiful is it, how convenient it is for me, uh, and what I can get from it instead of here I am, Lord, use me to build up your church. It's probably a good indicator that, that we have allowed that building or that church entity become an idol, uh, to become an idol in our lives. And it's a dangerous path, family. God says, do not put anything before me. He says, I am the Lord your God. He says, I am a jealous God. Do not allow anything to get in, uh, in the way of my relationship with you. And so I want you to see what he says here. God's, um, it was never God's purpose. It was never intended for uh, the church to look like that, to become this thing where it's just consuming, where it's what can I get out of it or what best suits me. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or anything uh, that is in heaven or above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve me for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. When we create something else to take the place of God, the one true God, we become the false creator. When a God or idol has to be created to exist, it then loses the power of being the creator itself. When a God or idol has to be fed, clothed, or sustained in order to live, it loses the power to be all-sufficient. There is only one true God, and he lays it out so clearly to us. John 1, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Instead of being created by a man out of a uh, precious stone like we saw earlier, look at what the sovereign Lord says. Isaiah 28, look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. The one, he is the one. He, he is not made out of stone. He is the very one who, who created that stone, who put it in place. And he is the one who said to the waters, only this far. He created that separation between land and sea. There is only one true God. There is not a different God of the sky, a different God of the earth, a different God of the heavens. No, this is what the Lord says, Isaiah 66. Heaven is my throne. 
and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both the heaven and the earth and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, am I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God, and God wants all of you. Nothing to take his place, nothing to separate his love for you. This is why, while we were still sinners, falling short, not able to do it on our own, separated from a holy God, the one true God, but God. The one true God demonstrated his love for us by Jesus Christ, the one and only son, by laying down his life as a ransom to purchase us, to redeem us, to, to rescue us, to snatch us out of the depths and the bondage of slavery that sin had on us. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved, friends. He makes it so simple. Do you believe in the one true God? Family, this is how we can be in relationship with the one true God. He says, I am the Lord, your God. He is personal. He is relational. He wants a relationship with you. And he has made a way for us to be in relationship with him. Do you believe in him? We don't have to worry about what region we are in or which God we have to worship uh, based on, on, on where we're at or how we are uh, to create them, how we are to feed it, how are we, how are we are to, to house it, to clothe it. No, he says, I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Look at what he's done for us. And maybe this is just where we need to uh, end our time today, just asking these questions. Do you need to go back today and recapture that? Look at what he's done for you. Do you need to repent of something that has been taking his place in your life? Remember, as we've been encouraging you to spend time in his word, what is the thing or things that is fighting for your attention? What is stopping you from, from listening to his voice? What are the things in your life that just are making you too busy to just slow down and listen to him? Maybe it's like the Isaiah passage and you just need to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? What are you holding on to today? Is it, is it money that has just become your sense of hope? Is it a, a possession where you just think, um, this is, this is my, my safety. This is what is keeping me safe. What has become that idol in your life? When you are praying to him, what consumes your thoughts? If it's not his voice, it's probably something else that is competing. What is that thing that is trying to distract you and getting in his word? Every time you get into his word, what is the thing that says, hold on just one second. Let me, uh, let me go do this first, or let me get to this first, or let me check this uh, first. What is it in your life? Would you write it down? Would you acknowledge it? And would you say no more? God, I want to give you full authority. I want to give you reign and rule over my thoughts, over, over my heart. God, you want every inch of me. Maybe that's a question you need to ask today. And then ultimately, how are you praising him for who he is? It's that simple. Who is he in your life? How are you praising him? 
Let's pray together. Almighty Sovereign, Creator, All-Powerful, the one who has all authority, Alpha and Omega, everlasting, never changing, faithful, relational. God, there is none like you. You are Lord, you are master, you are owner. God, you tell us that you are a jealous God. You want all of us. God, I pray for the one right now who has never said yes to you. God, I pray that they would say yes to you for the very first time today, that they would acknowledge that they can't do it on their own, that they have this thing called sin and it separates us. But God, that they would see that you have made a way, that you have invited them, just as we saw last week, you are always the one who initiates, who invites, who moves towards us, and you have made a way through your one and only son, Jesus Christ, that if we believe in him, if we confess that he is Lord and Savior, Father, I pray right now for that person. As you say, you have been forgiven. As that weight of, of sin falls from them, God, may you be revealed to them even more. The freedom that you offer to them, the peace that you offer to them, and say, this is who I am, and this is what I've done for you. God, may they see that today. Father, for the one who has said yes to you, may we be obedient. When you say, I am the Lord, your God, and you show us how personal it is, and then you show us that you are a jealous God, that you do not want anything to take your place, God, uh, for the things that we have put in your place, for the things that fight for our attention and it ultimately distracts us and it pulls us away from you, God, may we acknowledge them. May we call them out and truly acknowledge them as idols in our lives. And may we, from this day forward, say no more. No more is this thing going to take the place of God. No more am I going to uh, prioritize this thing over you. God, I want to be intentional about spending time with you. God, I desire to hear from you. And so, Father, may we be obedient. May we truly be people when we say, you are Lord. May we be people who listen to your voice and what you want to do and how you are inviting us to join you. And then may we be faithful to say yes, yes, Lord, yes, we will. However you want us, wherever you want us, God, we are yours. May we trust you and do good all the days of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.